0: So I would dare say that thanks to the uh, Toronto Film Festival and Telluride, Mm. uh, we are starting to get a little sense of the Oscar picture. Yeah,
1: right? Yeah, I Um, think so. uh, uh, so. uh, 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 First Man, interestingly, was at Telluride. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Interestingly um a uh, uh, moonlight director of uh, uh, barry jenkins notoriously uh director person uh yeah. associated with tell years yeah. and years and years moonlight yeah. uh, tell yeah. his new film the not. james the james
0: baldwin film yeah yeah not yeah. tell i think it 's interesting that this but it will is... be
1: it but will be what Toronto or i guess yeah. Toronto. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah i think it 's what what 's fascinating to me is that this is shaping up to be. The Damien Chazelle and Barry Jenkins show again. <laughs> right?
1: You know? yeah, but, you know, but you gotta wonder, I have, you know, I'm like why is that movie not a tell you right? He is that's that's
0: his that's his, that, that's that his place. His spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I but I, but I think it's interesting, you know, after they and they're they're good friends and they love each other and they love each other's movies and here we now we, we have it again. And, and both of those movies just look Tremendous. To yeah, me. they yeah. both look absolutely tremendous. And that's
1: what I thought. I thought to myself, well, maybe that might be why. Maybe you know, Barry or yeah. or, or somebody it's just like you know what? I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to be ever, like, directly in competition, you yeah. know, uh, with, with, with him. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, be, I'll go over here. You yeah. go over there. And then if, we, if it does, you know, wind its way down to that moment again, yeah. that notorious moment again, yeah. well, then it'll just be the one time.
0: Yeah. Uh. Yep. Yep. But uh, a lot of other good stuff. The Favorite, getting yeah. some good heat. Um, and, uh, and Green Book is looking really, really interesting, too. Oh, yeah. That's uh, so. There are there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of movies in the mix, and then a few other things that look like they're going to be kind of dark horses that'll uh, that'll pop up. A lot of
1: biggish movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. But
0: I'm. But you know, movies should be biggish. You know, they should. Be. But
1: even tell you Telluride. Telluride is sort of notorious for you know smallish movies. Yeah. Moonlight. You yeah. know. Uh. But you know, uh, this year. I mean, uh. You know, first, first, not not first, not first small. man. No,
0: first yeah. man is yeah. is is pretty huge. And then. uh... White Boy Rick, yeah, which looks really interesting. I've seen, I saw that trailer lately. Matthew McConaughey going gritty again, yeah. and uh, I, I, I remember that story. I like it when he yeah. ugly,
1: uglies himself up. Yeah, <laughs> ugly, yeah. I, like, I like Ugly McConaughey.
0: Yeah, always a better performance. It, it is when he lets go of yeah. his of his looks and his body, and he just kind of pours himself into a part. It's all good. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into it. we got a, a whole big old pile of anime to, uh, to plumb through real quickly here, so I'm going to waste no time on it. Uh, from, uh, from the good people at Right Stuff uh, right out of the gate, uh, you've got to go to rightstuffanime.com to get this stuff. Go to R-I-G-H-T-S-T-U-F. A N I M E. That's right. Stuff anime with one f. dot com, uh, and the first one here is Sweet Blue Flowers on Blu Ray. This is a this is a really really you know anime always intrigues me when it goes into that um, that non animated area where mm. you think well normally people think of animation of, uh, is appropriate for things that lend themselves to animation but it's not true with anime. Every once in a while you'll get an anime where you think they could just as easily as easily have done this with live, live actors. Yeah. Uh, but they don't. And it, uh, it opens up all kinds of really interesting avenues for the artwork and for the voice performances and for the, uh, for the animation. And uh, that is the case with Sweet Blue Flowers, which is a, a character piece. It's set in a school, as these things very often are, and it just deals strictly with a, uh, a, a teenage uh, triangle a girl and a guy and their relationship and then the introduction of another girl, which changes the chemistry of that relationship. And uh, it is the uh, the first girl who kind of sits in the middle of this situation, you know, the guy who's her childhood friend, this girl who's Suddenly this this vibrant force in her life. And it's all done in a really, really interesting, artful way. And it's very, very engaging. It's more engaging than uh, I'm probably making it sound. But it's actually quite good. And, of course, based on a manga, which is where the original following came from. So, hmm. um, you know, that is, uh, that is worth checking out. Sweet but Blue no, Flowers. No, nobody can fly. Nobody has power no. beams nope. coming from their eyes. No. Nope, not at all. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got a whole bunch of stuff from the Gundam universe, and I'll, I'll try uh, to now, go... Now, now things are going to start happening. Now things start happening. So the Gundam universe, arguably the richest uh, anime universe in existence, it goes into so many different areas. It's it's richer than Star Trek. It's richer than the Star Wars universe. Gundam is just... It's massive. There's You could you can live in Gundam. And, you know, there's, a, there's an anime store over here downtown LA in Little Tokyo, by yeah. the way, where... That place is just loaded with Gundam whenever stuff. My,
1: whenever my niece uh, Cameron comes out, yeah. you know that's her thing. Yeah. Yeah, we
0: we have to spend a hour or two that's down it. there. That's it. Well, anyway, we've got uh, so the two of them here is the second volume of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Age, and then the other one is uh, Gundam a- Mobile Suit Gundam Age: Memory of Eden. The one is kind of a semi sequel to the other. So the uh, the second uh, part of Mobile Suit Gundam Age. Continues the story of uh, Flit Asuno, who is uh, you know a, a powerful commander of the uh, Earth Federation forces, and this is you know the the battle with the Mars spheres. Don't worry about it; it's all space battles yeah. and empires warring with each other. It's the usual thing, um, but the this is primarily the the Flit Asuno family saga in this sense, and uh, the Mars sphere is you know. Pretty daunting thing. So that then segues into Memory of Eden, where Asemu Asa- Asuno, who is the son of Flit Asuno, becomes kind of a major figure, and uh, and this is all about the relationship with Zihart Gallet, uh, who is uh, who, who's you know the. Uh, a a a rival and a well, I won't tell you too much, but a it's 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 this relationship, the the pros and cons of this relationship that drive this. So you go from father to son in this saga, uh, that is from Sunrise, uh, the Sunrise Library, uh, of course distributed again by uh, uh, the Right Stuff. So you got to go to RightStuffAnime.com for that. And then we get into uh, the Gundam Double Zero saga. This is a massive, massive uh, sidebar to the Gundam universe, and you can spend a lot of time here. And I will not, uh, I I will not go into great detail here, sort of elaborating on this. They have uh, the first two seasons are out: season one and season two of Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zero. And uh, this all takes place in the year 2307, centering on the crisis of having depleted all of our fossil fuels. I'm not sure they're going to last till 2307. To be <laughs> honest, uh, I think maybe another you know 100 years tops. Um, but anyway, there, this is this is now switching over to a new energy source, and uh, the which has created a new power dynamic uh, in the Earth. And uh, with that new power dynamic, come new new conflicts. And every, you know, new alliances and new enemies and new friends, and um, the uh, this is then of course you know this gives way to the Gundam machines, the Gundam suits, and uh, and and how they are uh, how they are used and how they change the geopolitical forces in the world and all of that stuff. So I mean it's a it's a pretty massive saga. We've got two seasons of that, and then there is also a special edition of Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zero. Which uh, is uh, is kind of near as I can tell. This is like a like a um, a uh, an edited version down of a lot of what is in the in the first two seasons, and then uh, there is also Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zero: The Movie Awakening of the Trailblazer, which is uh, in the year twenty three fourteen, and this is also tied into that exact same uh, that same crisis, that same uh, geop- uh, geopolitical future. And it has a really, really interesting uh, sidebar here with these. um, I I guess they're not transformers, but they're Mm shapeshifters, right? They are, it's like the next uh, step in evolution for transformers. Anyway, it's really, really interesting. Animation in all of these is really top notch, first rate uh, through and through. The the people who do Gundam almost can do it in their sleep now, it seems. And then from section 23 and the Maiden Japan Library, which is always a little bit uh, out on the edge, uh, the complete original series, Glass Mask or Glass Mosque, if we were doing it uh, with my fake British accent. Uh, this is, yeah, right? Uh, this is uh, about a 13 uh, a year old girl who wants to go to a famous acting school and uh, it, in, in leading into that is this acting competition and that's what this is about. This is basically an acting competition. It's like a, an acting, uh, an act off and um, it, it's, it is charming and it is uh, amusingly animated and it has all kinds of surprising little anecdotes to it and uh, I, think, I think this is another nice one from Left Field, Glass Mask. Um, from the Sente Library, also distributed by Section 23, is Action Heroin Cheer Fruits, the complete collection. I almost thought this was a product I needed to buy. Um, the, uh, this is, you know, this, it, basically this is like a, a, a Japanese, this is super cute Japanese Hello Kitty culture elevated to um, kind of tweener uh, super heroin culture. I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> um it's just little girls who are learning to be heroines in in the in the most adorable and odd way possible. Um it's it's innocuous. I don't think it's as funny as it thinks it is. But, you know, it has its audience. Uh Vatican Miracle Examiner the complete collection. Really really great uh artwork here. I I think there's some CGI that even goes into this. Uh the, you know, it's a it's a it's a obviously an exorcism fantasy uh, world that this takes place in i don't I, I've never quite understood the relationship the Japanese have to Catholicism mm. because most Japanese are not Catholics, yeah. but Catholicism has a very deep has very deep roots on the island, so yeah. they're familiar with it.
1: That wonderful Scorsese they right,
0: the uh, yeah, Scorsese yeah. film uh... so that always finds its way in an unusual way into uh... into a lot of these things and uh... this winds up going to mexico of all places so uh... vatican miracle examiner complete collection uh... see it for the artwork if, if nothing else frame arms girl is uh... is pretty great uh... this is also a uh, a complete collection and this is taking a page from gundam taking a page from those high school rivalry things And kind of uh, saying, you know what, we don't have to let people disappear into the giant robot suit. We can kind of use it as an accessory to our cute characters and let them kind of own it. And uh, that's exactly what they do. Uh, A frame arms girl is uh, basically a kind of like a cyborg. Uh, like a like a cute cyborg with uh, armor uh, or an armor bikini I don't know how else to really put it. <laughs> it 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 is what it is it's a it's a cool idea and it's a new idea in anime and uh, it's uh, you know this it, it has a lot of humor in it and it's uh, a lot of cute characters and and good characterizations and I can be down with that uh, and then lastly, from the Funimation people, they actually believe it or not. Went and made live-action assassination classroom stuff. This is so freaking weird. Uh, the anime versions of this are weird. The animated stuff is weird. Uh, putting this to live action with CGI is just even more weird. I don't. I don't even know how to process this. This is assassination classroom, the movies plural. The movies also also comes with Funimation's own uh, proprietary digital copy. Otherwise, a Blu-ray and DVD combo set. Uh, look, I, you know, this whole of the alien, the big yellow alien teacher thing, and this is just all a little bit too far out for me. I, <laughs> I if you love Assassination Classroom, you can't get enough of it. I, I can, I can totally uh, relate. But otherwise, that just should never be live action. That can should barely be animated. Some of the best animation that uh, I'm talking about this week is in Planetarian which includes the OVAs and the movie. The OVAs, of course, are the, uh, the, telev- the stuff designed for television, not originally seen on television. Uh, and this is about a, uh, an abandoned robot who is uh, sitting around in this abandoned uh, planetarium waiting for years and years and years uh, to uh, kind of have a sense of purpose. And finally, there's this character named Junker, who, appropriately enough, by the name of the, the, the name Junker, is kind of an inter, intergalactic uh, garbage person, you know, sanitation person. And um, uh, now he and this female robot uh, need to sort of give each other a sense of purpose. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's, been, it's, it's derivative of a lot of different movies, but it's, uh, it's really, really well animated. Uh, and then Black Clover, Season 1, Part 1. If you haven't followed this, uh, it's pretty good. It's uh, also a, a magical other world. And uh, it's about two orphans who are uh, aspiring to become a wizard king of this other world. And, uh, you know, it's pretty straightforward, Joseph Campbell stuff. Classroom of the Elite, the complete series. One of those school things, again, takes place in the Tokyo Metropolitan Advanced Nurturing High School. Where uh, Japan's future will reside in being able to take the best and brightest of the, the kids and kind of somehow manufacture them into uh, the next generation. And this is all about the politics of being the best of the best in the best school of the best. Uh, Sakura Quest Part 2 continues the, uh, the, the job uh, ordeal of Yoshino Koharu. And, um, you know, it's, it, I, I don't find it all that interesting, but uh, that also has a bit of a following for some reason i think it's based on a manga uh the uh, the last few here uh have some really really interesting stuff in them eureka 7 high evolution 1 movie i'm going to say that again eureka 7 high hi hyphen evolution 1 movie i am also a little bit vague on uh on on why the the title i i'm i'm getting i'm kind of not i'm not good at uh yeah. Deciphering yeah. the titles of these yeah. things, but uh, in any case, this is a really nice set comes with a uh, a film strip and a and a, a, a two sided card that you can use to kind of look at the film strip and uh, they're really this is a really cool special edition set uh, The story here is the it is kind of about a you know a guy whose father has disappeared and um, he 's trying to undo the events that uh, that ten years earlier created the, the the disappearance of his father. There are some interesting kind of uh, soapy tangents to that, but that's basically the story. And then the last through last three, the one that I think is most and en- uh, most enjoyable here is Gamers, the complete series, because it's so much a part of Japanese and uh, modern Western culture. Period. Um, you know, gaming. I hate to say it, but in the wake of what happened in, yeah. in, in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. A lot of people are like, should uh, you know, should we be taking a look at these games? Like that kid was known to play games, yeah. every day, all day, not yeah. even eat and sleep.
1: I heard, I heard the way his mother described the whole thing, and I don't want to fall off into, this yeah. whole, into yeah. the whole conversation of that. But yeah, there, it's a thing that we better think about in the context of a number yeah. of animals. It included nearsightedness. That you know that they discovered mm-hmm. that people nearsightedness it creates nearsightedness, which if yeah. you think about it, of course it does. Sure. Oh, sure. Well, yeah.
0: Well, Gamers, the complete series, doesn't get that deep. But it does get, in an interesting way, into the psychology of gaming. And uh, the fact that you're watching this in an anime makes it uh, somehow more salient, really. Uh, but yeah, it, the, the idea of you know, this kid, uh, Kato Amano, who is just a mad gamer all the time, anywhere, anytime. Um, and uh, this, you know, this gaming club and the politics of that and, what, and the effect that gaming has. It's really interesting. And then uh, Tsur Dure Children, uh, T S U R E D U R E Children, Tsur Dure Children. Uh, so this is a uh, this is dealing with the the problems of adolescence. This is more into that non sci-fi thing. Mm. This is dealing with the problems of adolescence through uh, through anime. And, uh, I, you know, it's, uh, I guess, pubescent kids have all the same problems and issues in Japan that they do everywhere else. And uh, on that level, it is really quite illuminating and interesting. I don't think it's the greatest animation. It's a little bit conventional uh, in that regard. But it's, it's fine. It's, uh, it's perfectly enjoyable. And then lastly is 18IF, that's all one thing, and numeral 18IF, all like one word, the complete series, which is uh, all about uh, trying to, it's about a fantasy world consisting of the connected consciousnesses of sleeping women mm. and how you undo the witch's spell that has made that possible. It's quite imaginative. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting uh, and, uh, and, and, and quite engaging and visually very imaginative. It's, it's really cool. And then the last one is convenience store, uh, convenience store boyfriends, the complete series, uh, which you just know that sounds like anime. Convenience (laughs) store boyfriends. Uh, So anyway, this is this is again teenage teenage politics, and you know I have a crush on that boy. And ultimately, it just felt like an anime version of uh, the Archies. Hmm. That's what it felt like to me. But uh, you know what? It's it's fine. Um, It it it, uh, there's room for all of it. Room for all of it. All right, Tim, we had some uh, leftover new movies from last week. Yeah, yeah, yes, uh, just, just, just a
1: couple of few here. Some of them kind of interesting, a few of which I, I remember uh, uh, seeing for the, for the radio show, uh, including this one, Beast, uh, by a debuting filmmaker, Michael Pierce. Um, interesting film. It's about uh, this very small community on an island, contemporary community, Rustic Island. Uh, and uh, there are some serial killings that have been going on mm-hmm. on the island. It's, obviously, you know, it's one of those sort of things. Sure. I mean, there's this guy, this young guy, a, sort of a stranger to the island, and, of course, he you know, might be a, a suspect uh, to these communities, but he's strangely alluring, particularly to a young woman named Mall, who was played uh, uh, by Jesse Buckley. And uh, the, the guy is played by Johnny Flynn. Both of these young actors are very, very good, very alluring. She's this sort of, sort of lovely redhead, and he's this sort of gruff... A uh, scrappy, uh, dirty blonde guy. You can see how mm, why she'd be sort sure. of attracted to him, but then again, you know he might be the guy who's doing this stuff. So you know, it's one of those movies, and it's fairly effective in that way. Debuting film by Michael Pierce. Special features include uh, a making of, a look behind, a uh, theatrical trailer, that kind of stuff. The regular cool. stuff, but it's a very, very nice little Blu-ray. The Beast, not the Beast, just Beast. Actually. Nice. Uh, ghost stories rather enjoyed this too so this movie um, encapsulates three stories that are all tied together Um, um, you have this guy who goes around uh, 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 busting these sort of ghost story myths that's what he does played by Andy Nyman um, uh, and he's invited to this one particular house, where there's been some paranormal this, that, and the other things sort of going on. Uh, and he's uh, having trouble uh, busting these myths, and he, mm. and, and he goes through these three stories. They all sort of wind themselves back around to his to his actual life. Martin Freeman, uh, you know, oh, from, I love Martin Freeman, the Hobbit, the Hobbit, Martin Freeman, who's in one of these uh, in one of the stories too. Neat movie uh, on Blu-ray. Not a whole lot. As a matter of fact, nothing in terms of special features, but good a Good movie with little movies inside them, in and of themselves. Nice. Uh, David Tennant is in this. David Tennant is one of my Doctor Who's. Uh, yeah. In this, and also, um, oh, uh, Jessica, Jessica, Jessica Jones. He was. Je- the, he was that's ba- right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, David Tennant. Purple Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bad Samaritan. This is a fairly mediocre uh, sort of uh, thriller drama thing. He, he he plays this rich guy who has a girl chained up in the basement. These two sort of hoodlum knuckleheads <laughs> who who go around stealing stuff from rich people, stumble across this fact, and then he sets about making
0: their lives miserable. Could could I just say, I love David Tennant, but it almost feels like after playing Doctor Who, so that he wouldn't be stereotyped, he decided that he would be stereotyped instead instead, as the evil psycho British guy. As the evil psycho British guy, yeah. Now now we need to move back away from that and become a nice guy again.
1: Yeah, and just play a a, a normal person. Just play a person. Uh, In in any case, this is one of those commentary with the director... Dean Devlin, you know Dean. Sure. For
0: Formerly uh, partnered with uh, Roland Emmerich. Roland, all those big ass Independence Day movies. Now he does his own and, stuff. Yeah, badly. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, first, first reformed. It's funny. I'm talking about Dean Devlin over here. This is a Paul Schrader film. Paul Schrader, who I think was, you know, for a while there, yeah, a yeah. real icon of mine, at least in terms of writing. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, never so much as He's a director. Gone off,
0: gone off the rails a little bit in recent yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Well, this is this is fairly interesting. Uh, Ethan Hawke, uh, Amanda Seyfried. Um, uh, based on uh, loosely a true story, about a true place anyway, this church, this church, which in upstate New York was a church that was a stop on the Underground Railroad before slaves would go uh, into Canada. Now, that part of the story is true. Uh, the, the part of the story that has to do with this uh, parish uh, uh, pastor. Uh, and his turmoil over what he has to do in terms of counseling the husband of a young parishioner, young pregnant parishioner, played mm. by Siegfried. Uh, you know, all of that's sort of made up and not terribly interesting to me. There, there is this thing going on th- though that has to do with Cedric, the entertainer in the movie, who who's who's actually using his real name um, uh, in, in in this film. I think it's the first time I've seen him billed as anything other than Cedric the Entertainer, uh, who's uh, like a, a, a black con- um, uh, congregant at this church and what they're trying to do in order to get the money from this company to buy the church and restore it because it is this historical thing there's this whole storyline that has to do with that extremely interesting this is one of those situations where they should have moved the B storyline where Paul should yeah. have moved the B storyline up front. But, of yeah. course, he has to get involved in the sort the of uh-huh. CD, you know, yeah. and that's going to involve that priest and that pretty girl yeah. and that kind of stuff. But no. he, and thus he missed the story. Anyway, special features include an audio commentary with director Paul Schrader and a few other things. First Reformed, uh,
0: uh, and those are the last of the new movies. All right, and some foreign language stuff, and then we will uh, dive into a big old pile of uh, documentaries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right at the top, we love the people at Cone Media, and uh, uh, not just because they pay us to do audio commentaries on occasion, but they just have a really great library. So I've got to highly recommend this. Uh, Godard Mon Amour. Oh. This is the uh, latest film by Michel Azanavicius, the uh, writer-director of the OSS 117 films and, of yeah. course, the Oscar-winning director of The Artist, uh, who, by the way... Um, good friend of mine, who Tim knows as well, uh who facilitated my trip to Jordan last year, is uh he is on the set right now of the new President of issues film. Oh, really? Yes, along with Omar C yeah. who is the star of it. Yeah. And uh I I can't say anything about it, but the plot blew my mind. Yeah. And here I thought he was doing another OSS 117 film, which I guess is next. Oh, okay but, but uh this new film sounds amazing, like really, really amazing. Anyway. Uh, just got a text from him yesterday so funny he 's on the set over there uh, so Godard Mon Amour is probably going to be more of interest to people who are a little bit nerdy about French new age or new wave filmmaking, especially Godard's movies yeah Which uh, well, some people don 't like it like. yeah you 're
1: not a fan blaler uh, uh,
0: well you know i genre. i have a love i have a love hate relationship with Godard. and uh so what this is a, this is basically about is the making of a particular Godard film, uh, early in his career, and how that intersected—well, it's his relationship with the woman who would then become his his wife, and how this intersects with the political protests that are going on, mm-hmm. and when Godard uh, formed this uh, this filmmaking, this political collective, and all of these events in Godard's life at this point in the late nineteen sixties are all satirized in this film. Uh, which stars Louis Garrel mm-hmm. as Godard, and he is brilliant because he captures Godard's look, his cadence, you know, his eccentricity, the, yeah. his kind of weird lisp. He gets it all. He gets it all right. Yeah, he gets it just perfectly right. And it's just if if you know anything about Godard during this period and his films and his activities and how he just tried so hard to be one with the kids in their political protests,
1: but he was too old. He was too old. And he was—he was older than Truffaut. He was older than—he was older than the actual New waivers.
0: Oh yeah, and, but it's all—and it's also because he was trying so hard to be hip yeah. that he wasn't. Yeah, He's and they could see it, but he couldn't. It's like the creepy old guy at a party, yeah. right? We all knew that when we were eighteen, nineteen, and there was somebody through a party, and you go to the party, and you're like, "Who's that?" 45-year-old <laughs> guy in the corner who's, like, just trying to be, like, why isn't he in bed? Doesn't <gasps> yeah. he have to go to
1: work in the morning? Why isn't it a party with much older people?
0: Yeah. Uh, you not know, here. But not here. And, and all of that awkwardness is just is so great. Uh, it really is. It's just, it's, I, I just thought it was great. In any case, the the woman here is uh, Anne Diameski. Who, be- who actually did become Godard's wife and was an actress uh, for a moment, and she wrote a book called One Year After, which mm. is all about this stuff, and this is based on her book with a great deal of embellishment by Azna of course. But yeah. it's a terrific Blu-ray. It's a really entertaining movie, and uh, it even has a, uh, a little featurette on it. So, uh, Joe also in that movie, who was of course the artist. it's just all fantastic. Uh, from Criterion is uh, Memories of Underdevelopment. Another one of these little gems that uh, Criterion just unearths from 1968, pretty much the same period as that uh, Godard film was uh, representing, uh, is this fascinating movie by Tomas Gutierrez Alea. Um, the, uh, it, 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 this Cuban film, this is a Cuban filmmaker, uh, Alea is, and uh, this is all about a, uh, a an, an event that happens in the wake of the Bay of Pigs invasion and um, really kind of a... a, It's a sort of a fascinating... I don't want to call it... Uh, ma- it's not magical realism, but it's a certain kind of realism. It, it, it's just—it feels. I don't know. Maybe Battle of Algiers. Yeah. It's—it's it's not verite. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not quite sure what the what. I wouldn't call it socialist realism. No. Well, a, although I'll, maybe
1: maybe because you know that film that that film was produced by the the, the Cuban Institute. Yes. Uh, so you know a little it's, bit of it
0: shares some things
1: with with socialist realism, yeah, the Cuban State it, Film Institute or something like that. Yeah. yeah that. Well, anyway, it's, but you know, no, but no, not
0: not. Not propaganda proper. It, well, it come, It was made at a point in time when Cuba didn't quite have a complete handle on all this stuff yeah. yet. So there's something very fascinating and raw and, 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 uh, and, and insightful about this. And it's a really, really interesting. Anyway, it comes tons and tons of extras here, including a 2008 documentary uh, all about the life and career of Tomás Gutierrez Alea, uh, which is really, really important. And, uh, and uh, a... a um, pieces of these interviews that they did with uh, one of the actors and the editor uh, for the Academy uh, visual history program collection just a couple of years ago. So very, very interesting. And then we also have a couple from uh, uh, the Arrow Academy line of Arrow, which is always their artier stuff. Mm. Uh, The first one is a classic Japanese action film uh, called uh, Bloody Spear at Mount Fuji. Oddly enough, there's no bloody spear and there's no mount. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. This is one of those Japanese titles. Unlike the anime uh, titles, tells you exactly what this movie is about. Yeah. Uh, this takes place during in feudal Japan, and uh, there it's about a a, a a a a speared carrying servant of a samurai, and uh, the uh, well, it's a it's a it's kind of a road trip, uh, but it's a violent road trip, and um, it features an. incredible... Incredibly great performance by Daisuke Kato, and uh, it, you know it, it, it's kind of there's sort of a Buddhist undertone to it as well. There's like a like a despite all of the, the the weirdness that happens here, and it's a very it's a very very unusual bit of a road trip. The people that they meet, and you know it gets very dark, but there is. Kind of a Buddhist theme to this yeah, odyssey. Yeah. And it's uh, it's worth checking out. And there are a ton of extras here as yeah. well. It's from
1: 1950, um, 19, or the mid-50s. Uh,
0: yeah, this was made in 1955. Tuma, Uchida, 1955, yeah.
1: 1955. That's got that to made it. They, they, made, they directed a film called "The Fugitive, A Fugitive from the Past.
0: It's a great movie. Yeah. It's a really fun movie. And then uh, this is the one that I really, really uh, got excited about. This is Mosin-Makmalbaf, The Poetic Trilogy. "Gabe," The Silence, and The Gardener. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful. Look, the MacMalbaugh family founded Makmalbaf House because they're all filmmakers. He, his wife, his son, his daughter. Uh, Samira MacMalbaugh oddly enough, the daughter who made Blackboards and, yeah. and some other fine films, probably one of my favorite Iranian filmmakers ever um, and, uh, but you know, Mosin is the patriarch and he, he started it all and has made many, many really remarkable and outstanding films. And you know what, here you get three of them and that is a gift. Uh, these, are, these are really extraordinary movies, especially to watch in terms of what's happening geopolitically to Iran uh, mm-hmm. in the time in, that we live in right now. It all is sort of, this is the key to understanding it. Yeah. And uh, the McMahon family is somewhat marginalized at the moment. Uh, not making movies, but um, at least not making movies in Iran. But uh, nonetheless, this trilogy is absolutely uh, exactly what it says. It is a poetic trilogy, and you must see this. You must own this. Extras are superb. Uh, Godfrey Cheshire does uh, the audio commentary for Gabe, which is just superb. And there is even a uh, poetry in motion, an interview with Mosin Mkmalbaf, where he talks to film critic Jonathan Romney... Uh, about things that I've always wondered about his career, goes into all kinds of fascinating uh, philosophical ideas about filmmaking and everything yeah. else. It's really, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. That, so, that's, uh,
1: from about, that's from about 95, 96. More recent film of his would be Kandahar, for, which I think yes, is like Yes, Kandahar. Kandahar uh, is the
0: one that which was after after the, the, uh, the, 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 the uh, Afghanistan, Afghanistan was invaded yeah, and yeah. the, the Taliban, 9-11, after yeah. 9-11 and all that stuff. That's when he made Kandahar. 2000,
1: literally 2001, that was Kandahar. And, yeah. and
0: Kandahar is, is, is eerie because, it, and not to take a, to digress too much, but in Kandahar, if anybody saw Kandahar, there's, um, it's just so, the film is so haunting. There's a character in Kandahar who is uh, a, a black American who has become an expat Muslim mm. living in Afghanistan. And the guy that plays that part is a black American mm. expat who went to Afghanistan to live under the Taliban. Meta. (laughs) It is so meta. And the story of that guy, you can watch the movie and be completely enthralled, but when that guy shows up, you just go, my gosh, who is this actor? Where did they find him? Did they bring him over? No, he was there. And Makmalba found him and said, you are fascinating. I'm going to make you a part of the movie. And if anybody wants to look into who you are, they can do that separately and find out that you're just as fascinating as the movie. It's amazing. Yeah. Malbollock is really philosophically one of the most interesting
1: uh, make, uh, making. Th- well, yeah, when they when they could make make films in Iran, uh, extremely difficult. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the subject matter, content, what you can do with men and women. Very often they use children. Well, a lot uh, so of these the, guys they got around, around, around it then, but they can't get around can't it. Can't get now. around it anymore. Yeah. it won't be anytime yeah. soon. Well, I'm going to bump over and do some of these docs. Do the docs. Let's do the docs. Uh, let's do some docs from over here. Uh, from Film Movement, I think this one is, Between Land and Sea, a film. A film this is a, 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 a Ross Whitaker film. He makes a lot of these sort of uh, adventure sort of films. This one uh, introduces the audience to the, to the, uh, to the world of, surf, of, of surfing off the Atlantic coast west of Ireland. Uh, not well known for surfing, but it is now um, for a couple of different different reasons. One, spectacular waves and cliffs and sort of beautiful, uh, and in, in this place, sort of became this uh, you know surfing location. Starting around around you know nineteen ninety nine the year two thousand something like that, and he goes and films this and you know you these um, Irish boys, yeah. <laughs> you know surfing their butts off, uh, so it's it's just a, like a new thing, uh, and this is a very sort of interesting film uh, that exposes uh, some of that um, uh, uh, some of the best surfers in Ireland which I guess is like three guys, really. It's not that, yeah, that's a joke. Um, a, mm-hmm. a neat film uh, that, that, that uh, you know, particularly if you like uh, yeah, Ireland and you like surfing, you're going to want to check this out. Very, very nice.
0: DVD. we got a doc here called We're Still Here, Johnny Cash's Bitter Tears Revisited. This is really beautiful. It's, it's really beautiful if you're a Johnny Cash fan, but if you're just a music fan, yeah. you will appreciate this because Johnny Cash made this uh, concept album uh, years and years ago with uh Peter Lafarge who was like a folk artist at the time and it's not even now it's not really very well known and uh, Antonio D'Ambrosio wrote a book about it and then made this documentary about it and uh, it's it's just it's a great look at music at uh, uh you know the when an, when artists get really ambitious concept albums are always that's like a thing of the past nobody does those anymore right that was a thing of the 60s and 70s and Maybe died out in the eighties a little bit. But in any case, um this is just short, it's under an hour, but it's worth looking at. It'll uh, it'll really inspire you and it'll it'll make you rethink uh, Johnny Cash and his music. Mm. Uh
1: this is a fascinating uh documentary right here by uh, the, the, the fairly noted filmmaker uh, uh, uh Mary Klingmouth. Um this this is about Russian the the, the sort of uh Russian revolution in art. Uh, and what happened there, from from right before the revolution uh, through the revolution and since, and it's a fascinating film. Uh, you'll find references to artists, artists like Chagall and Kandinsky, and uh, who are just pioneers in the sort of uh, the, the new style of, Rus- of, of Russian art. All of which uh, was brought to a screeching halt by Stalin yeah uh, and in the advent of uh, social realism right uh, uh because you know he didn 't like the, that decadent yeah. of the art the art of the decadent West yeah uh, and this film sort of goes back it 's just fantastic. The documentary here has uh twenty minutes of b- uh bonus footage that was not. And the theatrically released um, a version of the movie. So anyway, if you're interested, in, and, and, and frankly, not just the art itself, but the, you, you can, because you can't really look at this without uh, getting an understanding of what the politics were at the time, and those politics, of course, uh, run through to this very day, uh, as we think about some of the things to do with um, the, uh, the Kremlin. Uh, 100 Years of Russian Avant-Garde, Revolution, New Art for a New World, by Margie Klingmouth. Sorry.
0: Uh, and another film by Antonio D'Ambrosio now this is a longer this is a full blown feature length documentary it's called Let Fury Have the Hour uh and uh this is a i don't want to say it's advocacy cinema it's uh it's basically saying it's a it's a it's a collage of witnesses and testimonies from major artistic figures in all kinds of different uh media speaking about the world, the way their art approaches uh, certain problems, the way they see the world through their art, the way they expect their art to be perceived. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge subject to wrap your arms around, and you wonder how on earth could you even sum this film up and, and much less take all of this footage and somehow make sense out of it, sort of find a through line. All these people are talking about different things and going in different directions, and yet he does in a really interesting way. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's a really... Uh, it's a very smart documentary and particularly well edited uh, by Antonio D'Ambrosio. It is called Let Fury Have the Hour. And, I mean, this goes everywhere. You know, Chuck D. and John Sayles and Louis Black. He's just, you know, Eve Ensler. Everybody shows up in this thing and unusual people you don't expect to show up. And uh, it's, quite, it's quite good. So Antonio D'Ambrosio... Another fine dog.
1: Mm. Um, I have a documentary here called Cholesterol, the Great Bluff. It's, um, look, this, this, basically, this basically is a film that is suggesting that the last 30, 35 years of uh, science uh, uh, suggesting to cholesterol, the two different types of cholesterol, and this gets very complicated about that, uh, is wrong. And that cholesterol does not cause heart disease, and that um, the rise and fall of saturated fats and uh, hydrated, uh, hydrogenated oils, and and, uh, and all of these things, all of the medications that so many pharmaceutical phar- uh, 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 firms have come up with to fight cholesterol, and uh, for which they have sold billions of dollars of worth to people like my brother, mm-hmm. um, um, that all of that has been based on a myth. Um, and I got to tell you, it's very pointed. Uh, the arguments are coherent, uh, generally speaking, science-based. Um, and unless, unless there are people uh, who, are, who are advocating something very definitively and specifically to the opposite of this, science that I don't, that I don't uh, know about yet, this, this feels like it might be a thing that people ought to pay attention to or at least investigate much deeper. I'm not suggesting that anybody stop taking their cholesterol. <laughs> Take your pill. Uh, And then watch this movie and talk to your doctor and maybe do some research and talk to a different doctor and find out what's true. At least this movie will give you some questions to ask and then you'll find out. So, you know, this stuff actually matters, man. And it's not like the pharmaceutical industry and and, and Uh, it's not like gigantic mistakes – Have not been made before about all kinds
0: of things. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm only one of those conspiracy people. No, 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 no. But you know. Documented mistakes. Documented mistakes. Sometimes we pretend like, particularly the American Western uh, mode of medicine, is incapable of making mistakes. That's just so not true. And frankly, when it comes to to the pharmaceutical industry, I don't put anything past them.
0: I always always try to give myself some perspective uh, with those episodes of Star Trek where uh, McCoy will see people, they, where they go back in time, right? I can't, no, can't remember yeah. which episode <laughs> it was, is. But someone's with about with to Joan, do Joan Collins, yeah. Yeah, someone's <laughs> about to do, that. maybe that's the one, maybe it is City on the Edge of Forever. Someone's about to do surgery with a scalpel, and he says, what well, are you, Barbarians? <laughs> so. Stitching people together like rags. That's <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. fantastic. Uh, could I just say how much I love Filmworker? Uh, uh-huh. Worker? is a great, did you see this? Oh, yes. See Film Worker? Uh, uh, Stanley. This is such a wonderful doc. And here's the thing. So I, I'm sure everybody by now knows that since Stanley Kubrick passed away, the gatekeepers of his career have been uh, his wife, and his obviously, and his, and his daughter. One daughter has gone, became a Scientologist, and that's a whole different yeah, uh, thing. Well, but, yeah. uh, and his wife's brother, his longtime producer, Jan Harlan, mm-hmm. and Leon Vitale. Mm-hmm. Who's Leon Vitale? Well, Leon Vitali is that guy who was so dynamic in Barry Lyndon playing Lord Bullington who is amazing in Barry Lyndon. I mean, he's great. And you think, wow, this guy's amazing. Why didn't he go on to do anything else? You know why? Because after he made uh, Barry Lyndon, he said, you know what? I could go on to be a professional actor, or I could basically just uh, attach myself to Stanley Kubrick and, mm-hmm. be, and, and just be his assistant for life. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I would have done in that case. I think I probably would have said, I'm going to be a hot actor. See you, Stanley. Thanks, yeah, for, yeah. thanks for the break. But he didn't. Vitale decided that being in the orbit of Stanley Kubrick and being anonymous was better than becoming famous. Mm. And, well, anyway, now he's famous for something very different. Uh, I've met Leon Vitale. Mm. And uh, when, when the first round of Kubrick DVDs and Blu-rays was, was released in that giant set from Warner Brothers way back when, uh, they did a big press tour. And I sat in the room with a bunch of other people and Jan Harlan and Leon Vitale. And Vitale is the guy who is the most protective yeah. of Kubrick's legacy. And uh, so they finally said, you know what, let's make a documentary about Vitaly because this is just really interesting. A guy who would give up a promising acting career to become a director's assistant. That is just unheard of. Granted, Kubrick's not any director. Mm. Uh, you know, that's a that's a position that you, would be coveted by a lot of people. But it is a fascinating, he's a fascinating guy.
1: I can and, imagine particularly meeting Stanley in the context of making a film like uh, uh, Barry. Yeah uh where you're watching this filmmaker do things that have never been done in, in movies That's before uh, that he he invented uh not invented but 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 allowed the 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 creation of uh, required the creation of several high speed lenses uh that are still in use today yeah. that didn't yeah. exist F one you know, f1 lenses so yeah. that he could shoot in that candlelight yeah uh and you're watching you 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 know, a real uh, you know artist and technician and sort of scientist and sort of an alchemist at work, I can imagine that that might, might draw me into... Like, this is not well, ordinary. He's
0: not... Here's the other thing, too, is what you learn in this is that Vitale was not a quote-unquote director's assistant in the sense that we understand it in Hollywood mm. where pick up my laundry, get my dry cleaning, uh, you know, go pick up my Dodger tickets, uh, <laughs> you know, feed, feed, the, feed the baby. You know, it, that's... Uh, no, he was intimately involved in the filmmaking process. Yeah. He helped coach actors he helped cast actors. He uh, oversaw a lot of technical aspects of post-production. He was, he was Kubrick's right-hand man. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just it's a great doc. It's a really great doc. And the, uh, the doc is Film Worker, Stanley Kubrick's Unsung Assistant by Tony Ziera. Good job, Tony. Really good. From Kino Lorber, that one is. Only on DVD, not Blu-ray, but that's fine. You don't really need it on Blu-ray.
1: Uh, RBG, uh, which refers to uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, hero. Not, not, not those guns you put on your shoulder. <laughs> to shoot the... Oh, that's an RPG. I'm RPG. Sorry. Although, the way Ruth writes, you might... Because <laughs> when, when Ruth gets going, yeah. you and I are probably the like an an only two geeks on the planet who, who actually read, read the, the, the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. you know what? That's the only way to actually understand it, people. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and and here she is. Uh, icon. Uh, an absolutely, I think a feature film uh, is, is queued up for her a little bit mm-hmm. later on in the year, if I'm not mistaken, yes. this 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 doc is just fantastic. Yep, uh, and uh, and I, and I really loved it. Um, whether that, or from, whether or not you like her, whether or not yeah, you agree no. with her, content For, and it, information is what I'm talking yeah, about here. Yeah. You know, now, do these people? Is it obvious that these people uh, are these people admirers of um, Ruth Bader? Ginsburg? Well, they, they certainly are, but they're not syncophants in any way. No, 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 no. You know, they critic, They 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 have critic. They. they they have criticisms. of too. They, they
0: have a point of view, but it is not a propaganda film. It's no. not a puff piece. It's not. Uh, it's 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 telling you who who she is and why she's significant. And you're welcome to disagree with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And it's not so much about her. Decision, her. It's about her. She's relevant. She is. She's she, how relevant she look, is as a human being. When Clinton put her on the court, uh, he put her on the court because she not because she was just some some judge sitting somewhere that he thought would no. She was relevant. She's yeah. a, she's a significant figure, which you'll find out later in the year when uh, on the basis that's of sex the, uh, that, Yeah, that's the one. That's the
1: one. Yeah, I mean the, the events of her life uh, um, are fascinating in and of themselves. Yeah. Uh, some of the things that she had to overcome as a woman, uh, as a Jewish woman, there uh, Harvard and Columbia, and yeah, just just you know
0: because the, the, again most of these things were happening in the '60s and '70s. There are people who have been put on the court. Uh, Thurgood Marshall is another one. Who were put there not because not just because of their jurisprudence, but because they actually established as lawyers mm-hmm. some kind of important legal precedent in the process. Yeah. And she is one of those. Yeah, In,
1: in, in front of that court. Yeah. People forget that Thorgood yeah. argued yeah. in front of that court That's and right. won. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll sit over there. Thank you very much. Uh, I noticed that this is Rotten Tomatoes certified. Yeah. Uh, today on the radio show, you guys yes. had a very interesting conversation yes, about uh, what's going on at Rotten yes. Tomatoes. I don't know if we want to spend
0: any time with that, but there's, but it sort of matters. A, it does matter. Yeah, we, it, it's important to say Rotten Tomatoes has changed their. Um, Their criteria a little bit for who gets to be on the Tomato Meter, and 200 new people have invited, been invited, so it's now like 4,400 people or something who comprise the Tomato Meter. I Mm. forget. It's a it's a large number, but uh, they've invited 200 more who are mostly people with you know they're with vanity sites or or Twitter feeds and whatnot who are not with big outlets and newspapers, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to. Uh, accommodate the changing media landscape, but also diversify the opinions of their critics, so they they come from a lot of different perspectives, which when you read their their explanation, it really rings true. I, I hope they do what they say that they're doing. That's the question. Are the they really perspective, doing I
1: heard the conversation you had. You guys was fantastic. It, it was, was good. good. Yeah. If you download the podcast for Film Week yeah. uh, uh, for today and, and yeah. listen to that conversation. I, I do think that there is a difference between a trained professional film critic, uh, what you and I have yeah. been doing for clocking 25, 30 yeah. years now, yeah. and someone who reviews films because they watch lots of movies. True um and i think it's i think it's a very uh, easily discernible difference yep uh i don't know i don't know if if if, if we belong in, in the same place uh mm-hmm. we we professionals and those who do the other thing but i don't know
0: there you go so on blu-ray is a doc uh from Kino lorber i just i got to recommend i got to really highly recommend this uh grace jones bloodlight and bammy Maybe you're not a Grace Jones fan. Maybe I you don't know. come from our generation where Grace just yeah. kind of owned a certain kind of uh, alternative pop techno music thing yeah. in the '80s. It was it was her own style and it was her own take on it, and she just owned it with the hair and the costumes, mm. and she outshared Cher, and she just is uh, she out you know uh, technoed Laurie Anderson, mm. and she just had her own thing. And uh, Grace is a significant figure, and she still is. Yeah, saw her about four years ago at the uh,
1: Hollywood Bowl. She's, she's got butt naked. You know what? Must be seventy something. Killed it.
0: I was just gonna. Now, here's the thing: she is seventy years old. There you now. go. Yeah. She is seventy. She just turned seventy. And there are early in this doc, she's out there on stage wearing this kind of leotard thing with those legs that just go from here to <laughs> uh, here to Detroit. And uh, you look at that and you go, Grace, you're looking really good. Uh, It's a good thing that they make girdles that you can put inside. I'm sure there's some kind of ribs inside that leotard kind of holding it all in because you're almost 70. And, you know, menopause will really wreak havoc on a body. But I'm glad. Later on in the doc, she just sheds it all and she's walking around buff, just showing it all. You know what? There ain't no girdle, no, that's not needed. Grace. She has a body at seventy yeah. that many women at twenty would kill oh, for. Oh yeah, yeah. It is. It, it's it muscle defy- tone, fat free, insane, unbelievable. Wow. And now this doc is directed by Sophie Fine's, Rafe and, and Josephine's sister, who has always been an outstanding filmmaker in her own right. Uh, and uh, what Sophie does that's so smart is she just hooks herself to Grace's hip, follows her around the world. France, United States, concerts, her diet, waking up in the morning, her exercise routine, going home to Jamaica, where she is as at home as she is in aristocratic France, where, yeah. her, where her son and, and, and her extended family live. Grace is a citizen of the world. Yes. She is, at comf- she is comfortable everywhere and anywhere. And she she doesn't judge people, and she's – she's it's like – I just – I fell in love with Grace Jones all over again. No, yeah.
1: Unless we forget Grace Jones was a movie star, Conan movies, yeah. uh, Boomerang, yeah. a couple yeah. of
0: – it's fantastic. Uh, this is
1: not a doc, uh, uh, but oh, i about that anyway. Oh, that slip out of the – Is that, that – that, uh, that's that uh, – Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That slipped out of the TV pile. Yeah,
1: from from, uh, from the other day. But I do yeah. have one in my well, hand. We'll that cover that, it anyway. That everyone must see. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, yeah. the, just an absolutely fantastic film about Mr. Rogers, uh, uh, the, the doc. Will, about this, Rogers.
0: will this win the Oscar? Oh, I just can't. You know, look, I mean, it there, there seems to be, there, be the one everyone loves the it, most, it, sentimentally. It, it, it,
1: and and that's, the thing, that's the thing that I think it has going forward. So many people of so many generations, right? Yep. Um, uh, they connect to this man uh, in, in such a deeply, prof- and this documentary does not shake that. I would have hated it. Yep. If this film came out and it shook my love and faith and in in Mr. in you know and, uh, it, but it does you,
0: you love him more.
1: You love him more. Yeah. There was one a few years ago, I think it was about uh, Big Bird or the guy who played. Oh Big yeah Bird. yeah 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 yeah. And it was a lovely film. Yeah. Uh and then all kinds of stuff, you know, stuff yeah. issues yeah. and stuff with that. And I'm like, ah
0: crap. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm a dude, I'd rather just never. Well, you're talking about the Elmo guy. The Elmo. Oh, the, it was the Elmo. Because there,
0: there are two different docs. There's one about the guy who plays Big Bird Big and Bird. the guy who's Elmo. The, okay, yeah. 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 You know, yeah.
1: And, 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 you know, and those yeah. are like, you know, eh, eh, eh yeah. docs. This is not.
0: This is not.
2: Yeah.
1: He was every bit as and guess what? Um a conservative guy, you yeah. know, a uh, pastor. Presbyterian. Uh, Presbyterian. Uh, but as socially liberal uh, li- liberal as any human being that ever lived. And, yeah. and, and, and when I think about some of the moments that pop up in this show, when he puts his feet in the, in the tub yeah. of water there yeah. with, with the black, these the sort of so subtle, yeah. so subtle, so wonderful. So, you know, yes, um, definitely on my list for your yeah. Academy Awards this Four, year. For sure. Won't you be my neighbor?
0: Got a few from PBS. We'll roll through uh, real quickly. A bunch of DVDs and one beautiful Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the American Masters line is Wyeth, the life of Andrew Wyeth in, of my bro- favorite in, in bold strokes. And boy, do we mean bold strokes. Yeah, Wyeth, just a, a, a real treasure, a real American treasure. And, this Helga
1: uh, series captured me when I was around, particularly when I read the right? story of them. Yeah, uh, and uh, and 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 to this day, and they have they have my favorite Helga at the Norton Simon uh, over in Westwood. Yep. And I have many a time uh, drove to the Norton Simon just to stand in front of that Helga.
0: He, it, it, what's beautiful about this is it gets into all of the controversy about his work because he was not loved by critics. No. He was popular. He was a popular artist, uh, but not like an Andy Warhol popular artist. His, it was like a Norman Rockwell kind of a popular artist. Yeah. Who, who f- who touched a nerve with people that critics were a little bit too mm-hmm. disconnected to appreciate. Um, wonderful, wonderful uh, installment of American Masters, um, and then Sir Edmund Hillary, Everest and Beyond, uh, a six-part drama. This is um, this is PBS. This is not a, a documentary, but it is part of the the PBS thing and uh this is uh, a a a wonderful look at the new zealand explorer who became uh the, the the who was the first to you know get up there and conquer mount everest and who had an amazing life independent of that uh really just superb superb uh drama and i love the stories of uh, great explorers i they just uh yeah. they, they inspire me and people you know whether it was the you know north pole south pole um you know lake victoria i don't care just as long as you're going out and braving the you know lewis and clark go and just brave something and go somewhere i'm so into that so anyway sir edmund hillary everest and beyond excellent pbs drama um and then uh ten that changed america this is ten monument streets and modern marvels that changed our nation really really interesting unusual concept they, they don't do this randomly. This isn't, let's just think of 10 things. No, there are, there, it's well thought out. It's very well thought out. And it goes everything from the Statue of Liberty to the AIDS quilt to, to objects that mean more than, than just their, their face value, that have symbolic relevance, that found their way into the culture in some uh, ubiquitous and long-lasting way. It's a really interesting way of looking at history and culture. 10 that changed America. Uh, Myanmar's Killing Fields is a another typically amazing frontline documentary. I uh, I still resent the word Myanmar. It's Burma to me. It's been Burma for you know thousands of years. It needs to continue to be Burma. Um, but if you haven't followed what's been going on in Burma, there, it, the the uh, legacy of Aung San Suu Kyi has been tarnished somewhat by the things that have transpired as they have tried to move to more democratic civilian rule. Mm. There is still a balance between the military dictatorship and uh, Aung San Suu Kyi's party, but in, uh, in the process of doing all of that, uh, tremendous persecution on the Rohingya Muslim yeah. minority in the north has taken place, which is being reported by many places, uh, including the UN, as uh, a, appearing to be a genocide. So this tries to get to the bottom of what's going on. It is. Uh, it goes into all the details of who the Rohingya are, what their history with the culture is, where they came from, why they are so disliked, what's really going on, what can we trust in the reporting, what can we not trust. This is likely to be only the beginning of this story. So continue to sort of monitor this. But it is. Um, I'm a huge fan of Aung San Suu Kyi. But what is revealed in this is is quite uh, is quite troubling. There is more to the story yet to come. Mm. And then the last two here uh, from PBS Outback. Journey through northern uh, northwest Australia, which is a journey through northwest Australia. There's nothing else to it. Uh, it should have been on uh, on uh, Blu-ray. This really begs to be on high-def. It's great photography. It's three hours, which is roughly how long it takes to actually walk across northwest Australia. Uh, but in any case, the uh, it, there's a lot of wonderful stuff there: the wildlife and the uh, the ecosystems and all of the stuff that you know is more than just desert. It's really uh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what's there, and uh, a lot of people live there. Uh, not, not as many as you would think, but you know there there are like forty thousand people mm. in an area that you would think is desolate. Is still a lot of people. Yeah, like forty thousand people is you know that's a small. I mean they're spread out, but still. Yeah. Uh, anyway, a really interesting outback. It's called Journey Through Northwest Australia. And then the last uh, PBS thing here is a Blu-ray called Earth's Natural Wonders Season 2, Life at the Extremes. If you saw Season 1, you know how how much they put into this. Uh, they spend money. They go where they need to go. They, they shoot stuff that just has no business even being on your radar, and they make it look so unbelievably gorgeous. And uh, this is something you just want to put on your Blu-ray player, fire up the widescreen TV, and just let it make you happy. It's beautiful. We live on an amazing planet, and... Uh, with some incredible people and remarkable wildlife. And uh, this season two of this BBC Earth uh, show, Earth's Natural Wonders, absolutely captures it. Kudos to these people for going to where they go because it can't be easy. There's that explore thing again.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is, baby. Strange victory. Uh, a rather interesting uh, documentary-ish kind of thing from about 1948, a couple yeah. of years after the war. So what Leo Hurwitz is doing is following a number of black soldiers, uh, particularly some of the Tuskegee Airmen, but other black soldiers, home uh, from the war. Uh, soldiers who fought, uh, yeah, the, the Nazism uh, fought uh, for America. Uh, uh, soldiers who were greeted with cheers in France and in England uh, uh, so, and in Italy uh, uh, for um, um, uh, repatriating. The, it, so And they come home to the United States of America to face what? uh what he described as a sort of fascism the fascism of racism. Yeah I and mean, he follows these soldiers all through the South. Now he they they do some recreations in this film and uh, and you know actors playing various different people and stuff like that. But generally speaking, it's a documentary. Uh, fairly famous from 1948, Strange Victory. And what it does is expose the sort of blatant hypocrisies, and it follows uh, this dynamic and storyline right through the 40s, through um, uh, 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 Jim Crow South, continuing right. Strange Fruit, all of that, to the beginning of the 1960s when the Civil Rights Movement begins in earnest. And I love this film because it makes a very, very direct connection to the, from the Civil Rights Movement, Uh, back through that whole post-war period. And a lot of times we we look at the civil rights movement as this thing that sort of just sprung up out of nowhere, you know, it's it's a period of its own, the Civil Rights Movement period, and we talk about it, and we give it a beginning date uh, of sometime in the 60s, and we even give it an ending date of sometime around 1976, 75, or something like that, uh, or maybe 1980 when Jesse Jackson uh, uh, ran for president with the Rainbow Coalition. Right. You know, and it's in, yeah. but we give it this sort of begin and end date, and this is a misnomer. This is untrue. It didn't begin in the 60s. It yeah. began, frankly, even before this. Yeah. You can all the way back to uh, Marcus Garvey. If yeah, you want to, for sure, um, uh, and certainly it continues to this day, yeah. as we can see. We now we, it, it has a different name. Nevertheless, this explores a very interesting period, right in the middle of all of that. From oh, this is milestone. from milestone. It's from milestone. Right? milestone. Right? milestone. We Strange, love our quickly. friends at milestone. Good stuff. Very, very good stuff. Uh, American Hunter, a uh, six part series, a uh, documentary series about the history of hunting in the United States of America uh, and the weapons used for hunting in the United States of America. And it really is a, a, a deep historical piece from, I mean, man with the muskets, uh, right off the old Mayflower and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and, uh, and how. Uh, various different weapons uh, were developed just for sportsmen and hunting and then saw how that sort of changes over the course of the years and becomes more about sportsmanship how there was this interesting period in the late seventies where the bow and arrow became the thing that the american sportsman Mm -hmm. the true american sportsman I remember remember my my, my wife's father was a bow and arrow guy go Mm. out and hunt deer with a bow I thought it was absolutely barbaric uh, uh but you know he thought I was a punk so what the hell? <laughs> uh um uh american hunter sportsman conservatives uh, con conservationist and patriots nice six part series
0: i uh, got a couple with war themes here and and they bracket something very interesting uh i'll start with the the more familiar story Auschwitz and back the joe engel story uh is a uh is a i i don't want to say he's I hate saying that anyone's Holocaust experience or World War II experience is more significant than anyone else's. They're all valid, they're all important, and they're all part of a larger uh, picture. Uh, but, but Joe Engel lived one hell of a life and still is living, by the way. Um, he's 90 still and uh, as of this, this speaking. And he was 14 when his family was seized by the Nazis, never saw his parents again, Uh, At 17, he escaped from a train Mm. and uh, he just lived this amazing life. He was a, he was a resistance fighter at one point. He, He lived through the Warsaw ghetto. I mean, it's an amazing life and it sort of is everything about World War II and the Holocaust and, and, and all of that wrapped into one set of experiences. And he is so, he's so, uh, approachable about all of this and so at peace with, with the past. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful portrait, um, contrasting that is World War I, the war to end all wars, or so they thought at the time. A, uh, a comprehensive look at the war that shaped the 20th century and uh, this is from Mill Creek it is, uh, this is, there's a lot here. There have been a lot of World War Ones because we're still in the centennial of the World War I period and so there's a lot of World War I stuff being released including the Ken Burns thing and a lot of other great stuff on PBS there's value to all of it. I would say don't ignore any of it. All of it takes a, something of a, an, an interesting perspective of some kind um, this I find really, really compelling. And uh, I, I, it's seven hours long. It's a lot to get through. But even having watched all the other hours that I've watched of all these other things, there's still stuff in here that isn't in any of the others. So I really think it's, uh, it's worth checking out. Um, and, of course, for those who don't know, my father was a World War I veteran. Yep. And I went and dug up my father's World War I uh, journal the other day. Handwritten, mm. going across the Atlantic, arriving in France, in training in Washington D.C. Yeah. All that stuff—it's—it's yeah. uh, it's great stuff. So it's—it's it's nice to, have that, uh, to have that have that there.
1: History, family history. Uh,
0: uh, what right. do you think? A couple more of these, or we're we uh, all done? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's call it let's call it quits for this <coughs> week. We'll 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 save all the rest of this for for the next show. There's still some good stuff here, and uh, we will see everybody next week. Yep. Yep.